Welcome to Catalytic Leadership, the podcast designed to help leaders intentionally grow and thrive. Here is your host, author and leadership and executive coach, Dr. William Attaway. Hey, it's William, and welcome to episode 12 of the Catalytic Leadership Podcast. Each week, we tackle a different topic related to the field of leadership. My goal is to ensure that you have actionable steps that you can take from each episode to grow in your own leadership. As I've heard Craig Rochelle say many times, when a leader gets better, everybody benefits. Their team, their department, their customers, their clients, their spouse, their kids, everybody. I'm excited as we continue today with what we're now doing every other week, which is a catalytic leader spotlight. Leaders don't look the same in a whole lot of different contexts. But what you find is that there are threads, there are principles that are transferable. And those principles are consistent because leadership is leadership, no matter where you lead. Today, I'm incredibly excited to introduce Steve Kane to you. I'm so excited today to have Steve Kane on the podcast. Steve is a follower of Jesus. He is a husband of 24 years, father of two daughters, a software developer, second to none, and a leader that is worth learning from. Steve and I worked together for nearly a decade, shoulder to shoulder at Southview Community Church, where he served as our associate pastor leading our next gen ministries. Now he is one of the lead developers at Solutions for Information Design, where he helps design websites to assist military men and women to transition from the service into civilian jobs. He's also the developer at HuddleMonkey, designing solutions to help churches equip teams through scheduled content and training. Steve, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you for having me, William. It's a pleasure and honor to be here with you. And I cannot wait for our listeners to get to know you a little bit better. I would love for you to share some of your story with our listeners, particularly about your journey and your development as a leader. How did you get started? Well, it actually started about four years into uh, marriage when my wife, Amy, turns to me and says, I really want to get involved in church. How about we teach kids together? And my response was, nope. (laughs) (laughs) Uh uh-uh, no, ma'am. There's there was no way you were going to get me into a room full of kids. Not going to happen. No way. There's nothing you can say or do to make me do that. Um, so the next week we're teaching kids together. <laughs> I was absolutely hooked. That day I fell in love with kids ministry, and I started serving in kids ministry uh, over the next six years. From there, uh, each year kind of you know, a better understanding of if ministry and just keep growing that passion to how to reach the next generation, uh, started to take on a little bit more responsibility as, you know, time went on, uh, as a part-time, uh, volunteer in the next gen ministry. And it was about during that time that you and I started to meet regularly at Red Robin. I remember <laughs> yeah. those conversations we'd have, we talk life, we talk ministry, and you saw something in me and started planting a seed about full-time ministry. And over those course of those conversations at Red Robin uh, and just praying through it and praying through it about, well, first I thought you were crazy and to begin with. Like, there's you wouldn't no be the first. Really. Yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> like, there's no way. Full-time ministry, you know, I've, I've, I'm in IT. I'm, I'm, yeah, I've got a job. There's no, but in 2008, I start to feel the nudge that, yeah, maybe, maybe it's time to go into full-time ministry as a as a children's pastor 
And I realized I came to the point in my life where uh, I had to decide, am I giving God my best in mm. the ministry? Mm. Um, you know, was it fair to the kids ministry that I wasn't able to focus all my attention on it and, and give it the attention that that ministry deserved? Uh, you know, I was still working full time, full time job and as a software developer. And it was getting tough to carve out time to to, to really do what I loved in kids ministry. Um, so I had to decide, like, Steve, are you going to be all in or all out? Mm. Yeah, this way, there's, there's no in between at this point. You know, you're going to do it all the way or you need to pull back. Um, and incidentally, in 2008, that's when Amy was pregnant with our first child. And I'm like, really, God? I mean, now and at this stage of life, you're you're giving me this calling and this prompting to try to go into full-time ministry. I'm like, you do realize we're having a baby and I need stability. I need to support a family. And, and Oh, by the way, God, I'm a software developer, not a pastor by any stretch. Uh, but fortunately we, you know, through a lot of prayer and encouragement from, from friends, you know, we, we took that step together as a family and it was such a blessing to take that step of faith and go into full-time ministry. And had the privilege of serving, you know, as a family pastor for almost 10 years. And it has been an amazing journey, just learning about leadership, you know, knowing what I started in knowing with absolutely nothing about leadership and, and leading ministry and kids, but uh, just being able to sit around a table with other leaders, like such as yourself and, uh, and just the way that you were intentional about putting resources into our hands as a staff to, grow as a leader, all the conferences and books, oh, all the books <laughs> yeah. uh, to learn and grow as a leader. It was, it was phenomenal. And I think I remember the, the thing that sticks out to me the most on that journey is you constantly stressed that leaders never stop learning. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and you back that up with, with, you know, with the conferences and the books and, and, and all the seminars. And I tell you, that's a skill that sticks with me uh, to this day, you know, even mm -hmm. going back to IT world, you know, you never stop learning. You got to stay mm -hmm. on top of technology. You got to stay on top of, of all the trends and, you know, cause you'll get left behind and yeah. you'll be putting out products where other people are going to put out a whiz bang product and yours is, eh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> cause, you, yeah, eh, cause you're not, you're not, you know, you're not staying up on that learning curve. Um, but then, you know, 10 years, about 2018, uh, is when, you had to make probably the hardest choice in my life, feeling that God is calling me to, that it might be time to step down as family pastor and, and went back into the IT sector as a software developer, uh, which is where I'm currently in today. Wow. That's a journey. And you know, the interesting thing about every journey that I hear, including my own, it's not just like straight, like up and to the right. Everything's expected. Everything is what I thought it was going to be. It's the twists, it's the turns, it's the unexpected, it's the wait, what? Wait, now? Yeah. <laughs> really? I mean, you didn't expect all that. Not at all. Not not one bit. It and was yet one of those things where you come in and say, you know, oh man, I'll never do this. And God's like, <laughs> ah, really? <laughs> never? <laughs> Watch this as he rolls up his sleeves and, and starts doing things behind the scenes and tugging on heartstrings and yeah, it's 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 amazing. I think we can all relate to that. <laughs> I've given my share of no way, absolutely not, never statements. Yeah, and yet, and yet, <laughs> and 
yet here we are, right? <laughs> and here we are. That's right. <laughs> so, how would you, having having worked both in the in the for profit in the business world and in the nonprofit in the church world, how would you define leadership? Yeah, that's a great question. I think for me, leadership is helping a group of people reach their full potential so you can accomplish a goal. Mm, that's good. I think that translates, you know, you know, not just in the church world, but, you know, in the IT sector as well. It's really good. And I love it because it focuses around people. You know, you're helping a group of people. You're focused around that. And yeah, you want to help them accomplish a goal, but you're not trying to do it all yourself. Right. Because you can't. <laughs> <laughs> not <by any> stretch. <laughs> So not only now are you working in the IT sector, but you have started uh, your side gig, Huddle Monkey. Talk mm. about that a little bit, because I'd love to hear more about what that is and how you see that accomplishing the goals that you have for it. Yeah, Huddle Monkey was set out to, I wanted to develop a tool that I wish I had when I was in full-time ministry, uh, leverage technology to help build and equip teams. Uh, one of the biggest you know, struggles uh, you find as a leader uh, is getting everyone together in the same room to do some awesome training. And uh, how many times, I mean, you, you, I know you felt this as well as you spent hours putting together this whiz bang presentation, like, oh man, this is going to be the best training ever. And then you schedule it for Tuesday at seven o'clock and we'll, we'll have pizza and, and cookies and, and you, know, you bribe them with everything to come. And you get maybe 20% of your volunteers or team because you know, people are busy, you know, it's understandably so. They've got they've got lives, they've got work, they've got kids, they've you know homework for them to help you know help with it, all that good stuff. And you find that you know all this good content training that you want to equip and build your teams, they're just not getting that content. Mm-hmm. So Huddle Monkey is is a digital platform that allows you to share and schedule content that you would normally have in person that they can then view at their leisure, maybe sitting on their couch at home. Uh, you know, in their pajamas uh, at 10 o'clock at night when they have time after the kids have gone to bed, they can view the training, they can take an assessment, leader gets notified that they took it, uh, you know, build a chat community around that so people can share ideas and, and hey, I love what you said about this, but we thought about it this way. And uh, just to kind of get people together without getting people together. Mm. You know, I love that because it addresses such a real need particularly in the church world, but I think in so many other contexts as well. Mm. I think that it's exactly what you said. It's the solution that you wish you had had, you know, Mm. and and on this side of COVID, I find that people are so much more um, protective of their time, protective Mm. of their, of the the time they're going to invest in, in a meeting, in a location. And what you, you have is a tool that provides a way for people to accomplish the goal, training or equipping or pouring into and investing in other people, but to do it asynchronously on their schedule, right? And in a way that can be done at a distance. They don't have to commute in and drive in. And they're able to do this in a way that that fits their schedule. And if, you know, they get home and, and or they wake up at three in the morning and say, you know, I'm, I'm wide awake. I'd like to get better at something they can dial in and they can do that. I love yeah, that. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the heart behind it is you know, for stories too, of, of like a church using it where the church is obviously in a location, they've got people 20 minutes one way and 20 minutes the other way. 
So to have them meet at a house or a church, it's, it could be a 40 minute round trip, but you know, they can, you know, get together and, and, you know, they've done book, book, uh, you know, book seminars together and, and training and things like that, that hopefully the digital platform can just make it easy uh, to provide that, that framework uh, for leaders to help build their teams. I'm such a fan. And I think in the post COVID world, that is going to be such an incredible tool for churches and so many other organizations too. So tell me, what does leadership look like in your context these days? Yeah, it, it currently at uh, at Solid, uh, I lead a handful of developers uh, on my team, and I found that no matter what context you're in, what industry, you know, is a church or IT, uh, the core principles of leadership remain the same, and they can mm. be applied uh, in any scenario. Uh, yeah. at, I think it goes back to that having that mindset of being a servant leader. Yeah. And, you know, it's what Jesus taught and what he modeled. Um, it's, it's how you led us as a staff at Southview. And with that as a framework, I try to do two things in that environment. Uh, the, the first thing is I try to start the day and go throughout the day asking the question, how can I help? Mm, how can I good. help my team be successful? Yeah. Uh, how can I help them grow individually as a developer? Uh, my team knows that uh, I'm available to chat anytime. Mm. You know, we use, you know, we're, we work from home, but we, you know, use, uh, you know, Teams, Microsoft Teams to, mm. to reach out and chat. So they know they can drop me in a line and say, hey, you got a second? You know, sure thing. Absolutely. And we connect. And, and most times it's, it's, you know, they might have a, a, a problem they're trying to wrestle with with code. Mm. And we'll just take that opportunity. We'll just talk through solutions and weigh the pros and cons of the different solutions we bring to the table and try to figure out which solution might be the best one, you know, for code maintainability and readability, all that geeky stuff, you know, when you're <laughs> writing code that you, that you have to care about. Uh, but they also know that they come to me for anything, you know, you know, not just a code, uh, you know, question, but, you know, maybe there's something's happening in their life that they just want to reach out. They just need someone to talk to. Um, so, so try to be like, how can I help them as a team and, 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 and build their confidence in the code that they are writing, uh, because the ultimate goal is to have them be able to uh, wrestle with solutions themselves and then pass that along to another developer themselves that is coming up along the way as well. So you, you build that, that cycle in. And when that happens, the team gets better. And when mm. the team gets better, the product that you deliver uh, gets better. Uh, and then I the second that. thing is uh, try to meet with each developer individually on a regular basis. Yeah, I know that's something that you've done with us as a staff. Uh, it's one of the takeaways I got from from your book is like I've got to start doing this is to meet mm. meet with the team regularly. And when we meet, it's not to go over like, "Hey, man, have you done your work?" But yeah. it's actually it's how was your workload? Yeah, you know, are you feeling overwhelmed? Uh, yeah. Are you challenged enough? Um, is there something that I can do to help remove obstacles, uh, out of your way? You know, you, maybe you need more training or you want to work on a different part of a project that you enjoy working on, you know, better that, that highlights your skills that you have, you know, maybe like doing the front end, the, the user interface more than the database development or, or what have you. Uh, so it, it try to, to, you know, to glean that. And ultimately at the end of the day, I want to make sure that I help them on their career path to help get them go where they want to go in their mm. career. That's so good. I love that because it focuses again on the people. You know, mm. I think one of the, the core responsibilities and privileges of leadership is we get to lift people up. 
We get to encourage them and pour into them and invest in them and help them accomplish what's in their mind, their heart, their goals, their dreams. And I find that when we do that, they begin to lean in. They're not going to work less. They're going to work harder because they feel like that you care about them as a person, not just as a cog in a machine, not just as, not just for what they do, you know? Yeah, that, that's so true. Yeah. And we've seen that too on the team. They just, uh, team just kind of, you know, rallies around each other. Oh, you need help with this. You know, it, it's, yeah. it's kind of that culture now too. It's, it's yes. the team just wants to help each other out to, to, to be successful because they know mm-hmm. ultimately when the team is successful, the product that we present to our client is going to be just that much better. I love that. You know, you, you were, you have been such a big part of my journey for so long and you have watched me grow and learn so many of the things that I talk about now. And I can only imagine like when you started, I was not a great leader and now I'm still not a great leader, but there's been movement, you know, <laughs> it's like, as we, as we grow and you've gotten to watch so many of those things and so many challenges along the way, I'm curious, what has been your greatest challenge as a leader? I think for, for, for me, as, as you, you know, me, I am a big time introvert mm. and I think sometimes being an introvert, it, it is, it can be challenging to lead. Uh, a team of people, no matter what size, mm. uh, because, you know, it can be very people-y, you know, <laughs> and, you know and I struggle with that sometimes, you know, just, you know, the, not just the social interactions and things like that, but, uh, there, there are some days, you know, in the IT world where, whether it's either a day of structured meetings or those impromptu meetings that we have the developers that, man, I just, I find myself drained sometimes. Yeah. But you still got to, you know, push forward. And, you know, if someone else reaches out and says, Hey, I got a question, you know, you gotta, you gotta dig deep and find the, you know, the strength and the energy and, and, and to do that because you do it all. We want to want to help them out, but uh, that can be challenging for me. Uh, so I've, I found that I have to be very intentional about when that happens, carving out blocks of time that I can recharge, whether it's, I, I, you know, curl up in a corner and just code, you know, just, yeah. just me and my keyboard, yeah. uh, or even just take a step outside and just walk around the block to just clear my head and just have that space where it's just me. So I can come back refreshed, mm-hmm. but, uh, it can be challenging sometimes. I know there's, there's lots of introverts in the world that maybe, you know, if people are listening, they struggle with that too, that you're not alone. <laughs> That's true. That's, my, that's one of my biggest challenges. That's really good, man. And I love how you've developed a rhythm and a, in a way, okay, I know this is a thing. And I'm not going to ignore it or hope it goes away. Mm. I'm going to deal with it. And I know how I'm going to deal with it. And I've got a plan to deal with it. I love that. That's intentionality. You know, a really smart guy once told me, bad news never gets better with age. (laughs) You remember remember that? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. My first boss used to tell us that all the time. Uh, That was my favorite quote from him that, you know, it's some, you know, a project we get delayed or something. <laughs> he said, well, bad news doesn't get better with age. So let's go tell the customer. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. I think this is that. I think the truth never, like it never goes away, even as much as you want to ignore it. Like you could sweep it under the rug and say, well, I should be this. I should be. And you can try to ignore the reality of, of how it is. It's not going to go away. Right. It's still there. And I love that you're like, hey, this is this is how I'm wired. This is who I am. And I'm going to figure out a way to do what I do while not ignoring that, but dealing with it directly. Mm. 
I think that's that's really smart. How have you seen your leadership change over time? And that that was a great question. Um, I got to thinking about that. And I think for me, when I first started as a leader, and even the the transition, the journey, even you know that ten years at at Southview, I had a tendency to just at times focus on the outcome. Hmm. And while that's not bad in of itself, because we still you know we want to set a target and a goal to accomplish. So we don't, so we know we're not wavering from it. We, we have to keep that in sight, but accomplishing a goal and leading people to accomplish that goal is, is a process and it, it can take time and you need to along the way, invest in your team and, and, and build your team up and, you know, encourage them uh, all along the way. And I know looking back, there were, there were times as a leader that I could have done that better. Mm. And, so, so now, you know, I try to flip the view and start looking at the team and say, what can I do to, to build and equip the team? Like for the developers now, uh, what can we do to invest in them and to equip them and to encourage them? So, you know, when there's a deadline for a project that could be six months out, you know, all along the way that, uh, they can withstand the process and they can grow and they can feel valued, uh, so with a team like that, then then you can accomplish the goal. But you've got to equip your team first to know that you're behind them and you're for them and you're championing them. You know, you're there if anytime they want to chat. You know, things like that. Um, you know, like you said before, you know, they they know that you know you've got their back and they can trust that. That just makes the team much more productive. Um, so it, it it took a process, but trying to flip the script and mm, focus on the team first as we drive towards the outcome and the goal. That's really good. If you could share one piece of advice with the leaders who are listening today, mm. what would that be? I think it would be to not listen to the negative voices that are in your head, trying to chip away and distract you from accomplishing your mm. Because uh, we all have them. I mean, I, I still wrestle with that today. Honestly, yeah. if I'm just, you know, all the cards on the mm-hmm. table. Yeah. yeah, I still wrestle with that today. I'm like, like, like Steve, come on, you want to start your own company? Like, really? You, yeah. um, you know, you think you've got something that to offer and, and it just, if you let those sit and marinate, they can, they can really derail you and distract you from what you have been called to do and what you need to set out to do. And what I have learned to kind of squash those voices is uh, I can't focus on the future without recognizing what God has done in the past and Hmm. start to look at, you know, constantly reminded of uh, how many obstacles that God has removed and doors that he has opened and the way he has worked behind the scenes uh, all in his perfect timing to even get me to a point where I am today. And when I keep that at the forefront, then those voices can be hushed and I can focus on what I'm called to do. Oh, that's so good, man. That's so good. All right. A couple of questions that I ask everybody. Yeah. 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 You like to read. Yes. What's a, what is a favorite book that you would recommend that leaders read? That's easy. First book that popped into my head was In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day. I love that book. <laughs> yeah, fantastic book. Um, it's the book that I read uh, when I was 
working through and praying through if I should go into full-time ministry. Yeah. And it's, and I reread it multiple times when I was wrestling with, should I start my own company? Mm. Great read. I, I highly recommend that one. Brilliant. Mark Batterson, one Mark of his Patterson. first, one of his first, and I think one of his best. Uh, yeah. It's a, it's a brilliant book. Love that. Okay. What is a favorite quote that you'd like to leave the audience with? Actually, I'm going to pull it right from Mark Batterson's book. Yeah. Because because uh, I just read it recently and it's it's fresh in my mind. I'm gonna I gotta read it so I don't mess it up. Uh, Mark Batterson writes: Most God ordained dreams die because we are not willing to do something that seems illogical. Mm. And that that spoke to me on different levels. You know, just good. back when uh, you know wrestling with going into the ministry. Yeah, you know, that seemed illogical at the time. You know, starting your own company. I mean that. But so at, at, that's a very powerful quote that 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 stuck out uh, in my head. So good, Steve. I'm so grateful that you have shared so generously from the insight and the wisdom that you have gleaned over the years from your own journey. Thank you for that. If people want to stay connected with you and want to find out more about Huddle Monkey, what it is that you're developing and providing as a solution for organizations now, how's, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, you get one of two ways. You can go straight to the website, huddlemonkey.com, uh, or just drop me an email, steve.kane at huddlemonkey.com, and I'll get that, and I'll reply back to you. would love to chat. Awesome, and I'll make sure those links are in the show notes. Steve, thanks so much again. So glad you were here today. Well, I appreciate you having me on. It's been fun, as always, chatting with you. Steve has been such a longtime friend of mine, and I knew he was going to bring it in this interview, and he did. I hope you were able to capture some of those nuggets that he dropped as we were walking through his story. If not, you can always go back and listen. It's important to capture what you're learning, to reflect on it. That's how you make it a part of your journey going forward. When you reflect on something as you evaluate, that's how you carry it forward. So the next time you need that, It's going to be there to help you. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode today. As we wrap up, I have a request for you. I'd love for you to do a couple things. First, I'd love for you to subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss an episode. If you find value here, I'd love it if you would rate it and review it. That really does make a difference in helping other people to find this podcast. Second, if you don't have a copy of my newest book, Catalytic Leadership, I'd love to put a copy in your hands. If you go to catalyticleadershipbook.com, we'll get one out to you. You just cover the shipping cost and we'll get that book to you in your hands for free. My goal is to put it into the hands of as many leaders as possible. It captures the lessons, the principles, the insights that I've learned from coaching leaders for over 20 years and from my own journey. Leaders in the entrepreneurial space, leaders in business and government and nonprofits and church and in education. You can always connect with me on LinkedIn to keep up with what I'm reading and learning about these days. And if you're ready to take a next step with a coach, if you're ready to intentionally grow and thrive in your leadership, I'd love to help you. Go to catalyticleadership.net and book a discovery call with me, and let's get started. Until then, as always, leaders, choose to be catalytic. Thanks for listening to Catalytic Leadership with Dr. William Attaway. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss the next episode. Want more? Go to catalyticleadership.net.